everyone so today i'm gonna cover a very interesting topic i have a feeling that some of you might be able to relate to it i um would like to talk about this dynamic that i see some couples kind of get stuck in so for those of you who are not very familiar with attachment styles um i would just like to give like a very brief overview of how it plays out in our relationships. So so some of us are avoidant leaning. We have avoidant leaning attachment styles which means that we tend to you know avoid our emotions, kind of put them away, avoid confrontation, avoid conflict, uh mostly because that was kind of what got modeled to us growing up and that was how our emotions got treated by our primary caregivers and how we saw maybe our parents deal with conflict and that's that kind of became our subconscious comfort zone and that's how we learn to relate to people in the world how we learn to relate to our own emotions so avoidant leaning attachment style individuals again tend to avoid their emotions tend to avoid conflict etc and the ones that are more anxious leaning anxious leaning attachment styles tend to uh be more vocal about things although it does come across as criticism uh because they're so desperately trying to be seen and heard by the other person and in an effort to do so you know they get they can get kind of loud they can get kind of like emotional and people tend to see them as being overreactive and those of us that are highly sensitive tend to be more anxious leaning and you know we we feel emotions really strongly and so we kind of voice them in like a very quote unquote dramatic manner and it kind of triggers the avoidant leaning individuals a lot and makes them feel unsafe around us uh which causes them to withdraw and which causes the anxious leaning individual to feel even more um disconnected from the avoidant partner and feel like the avoidant partner is shutting them di- shutting them down is um ignoring them and hence the cycle continues right so it's a very interesting dynamic between the anxious and avoidant attachment style and the other interesting part about this is anxious leaning individuals tend to get attracted to avoidant leaning individuals uh there's this polarity you know between them that kind of th- there are certain things or traits that attract them to each other but then when they get to the power struggle phase of the relation relationship a lot of these like core wounds come to the surface and one person's core wounds triggers the other person's core wounds and um they can get in they can get stuck in the cycle for years together without resolution and I'm happy, you know, that we now know so much about attachment styles and our like unique coping mechanisms that are unique to our attachment style which triggers which could trigger the other person's core wounds because that gives us like the awareness and the tools to actually be able to resolve conflict. We realize that oh, this person is doing that because that's how they got programmed in childhood. It's nothing, you know, personal against me. That's how they learned to cope and that's what they're doing and um and you know i'm reacting a certain way because of my programming because of my interpretation of how the other person's behaving with me so 
once we have like this nice framework, it's really easy to work with. So I want to kind of do like a brief rundown of how like a conflict might play out between an avoidant and anxious leaning individual or leaning um, couple, you know, a dynamic with an anxious and an avoidant person. Um, and I want to kind of do like a, give you like a concrete example um, of this couple that I know. Um, you know, the wife is anxious, the husband is avoidant. If I had to be really specific, the the husband is a dismissive avoidant attachment style and uh, the wife is an anxious preoccupied. Um, and, you know, I see that the way that they mostly bond with each other, like the most of the t- time, what they spend, um, most of the time they spend with each other involves, you know, like watching TV involves things like, you know, which do not actually go into, you know, uh, exploring what their inner lives are. And mostly because the husband kind of sets the tone of the relationship because it's more like a conservative couple. And, you know, the avoidant partner, the husband, you know, likes to just engage in, you know, surface level kind of um, activities like watching TV. I see them mostly watching TV. Um, and doing activities that um, don't really involve talking about conflicts. Um, so every time this couple um, has to, like, say, go out, like they make plans to go out, and mostly they go out whenever um, they have a doctor's appointment. And and so, like, the husband would get pretty worked up because he'd be like, you know, for him timeliness is an important thing and also he doesn't like it when you know the wife misses appointments and then they have to reschedule and the wife tends to have like um you know tends to lose track of time easily she probably has adhd i I had had a sense that she had some adhd symptoms um so she loses track of time easily whereas the husband is pretty organized in his head so he kind of is able to plan things pretty well in his head. And if it's like just him going somewhere, he's always on time because he knows exactly what time to get ready by, what time to leave the house so he can make it there a certain time. So he has like a perfect record in terms of, you know, making it to flights on time, making it to like appointments, meetings on time. But every time he has to make plans with his his wife and he has to like get somewhere a certain time, they end up in this very high stress situation what ends up happening is, so like I was saying earlier, the husband and wife like to watch TV a lot. That's kind of like their bonding time, even though they don't actually engage in conversation with each other. They're like looking at the TV. And the wife is kind of codependent um, because she you know, does a lot of things for her husband in order to like keep him happy and you know, make sure that um, she doesn't like rock the boat. And so she does a lot of people pleasing in the dynamic. So like I said earlier, the husband sets the tone. He decides what, you know, they do over the course of the day. He likes to watch TV. So the wife joins him on the couch, you know, even though, you know, she is not like a huge fan of watching TV or like a huge fan of watching the same kind of shows that he does. But she does, she does, she just does that claiming that, oh my gosh, I don't want to make him sad. You know, I want to make, keep him happy. And, 
you know, there, there have been times when she's, you know, approached me and she's told me that, you know, oh my gosh, like, I just watch TV all day and I hate it. Like, I hate the show. I hate it when my husband, like, repeats the, you know, the same episode over and over. He plays, like, the same scene over and over. I just can't take it. And I'll be like, why do you, why do you watch it then? You could, like, you know, maybe take a break from it and do something that you want to or, you know, let your husband know that, hey, like, I just need to do something else for some time, you know, I don't want to be watching TV all day. And she goes, oh, oh no, I can't say that. And I'm like, why? And she'd be like, oh, well, like, I can tell he gets really disappointed when I don't join him, um, you know, in our TV watching activities. And, and I feel like, you know, there's a lot of tension in the house when I don't just give him company all day so I just feel like it's my duty or obligation to be there with him otherwise I'm gonna like just make him grumpy and and part of me was like oh maybe it is true that you know maybe he is like he expects his wife to like join him for every activity but I asked her like asked her you know have you like communicated like vulnerably to your husband have you let him know that you know this is how you feel and, you know, what your needs are in the situation. And she told me, no, I really haven't communicated because I'm just, I know 100% that he's just going to be so upset. So this one assumption that APs tend to make or anxious leaning individuals tend to make, especially ones that are codependent, people pleasing, is that, you know, that the other person's that they're responsible for the other person's feelings. They're responsible for the other person's mood. And and they can't in any situation let the other person down, right? And a lot of us sensitives, I thought, might be able to relate to that because we tend to be the codependent ones. We tend to be the ones that want to please our partners. And we take it quite personally when the other person gets upset, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, I can't make this person upset, you know, and I have to be the fixer. I have to make sure that they're happy and they're they're always like happy with me. They're always like happy in general. And so I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to bend over backwards. I'm going to betray my needs to please this person. And that's what happens um, a lot of times. And I was seeing it was so clear. It was crystal clear, clear as day when this person, you know, every time this person would approach me, the wife would approach me and tell me what was going on. And, you know, I would sometimes try to get her to, like, communicate, but then she just had all of these limiting beliefs when it came to communication. And I would like for us to write down, you know, what what limiting beliefs or what fears or what thoughts come up for us when we think about communicating our needs to our partner or our loved ones. I I think this is a very important exercise to do because... The fact of the matter matter is it's the limiting beliefs or the fears that we have that stop us from communicating. And we believe that the thoughts that we have or the fears that we have are actually true. That's kind of the tragedy of the situation. Like in this dynamic, the the wife was 100% sure that her husband wouldn't respond well to her communicate communicating her needs. When in fact, she had never communicated her needs in her life. Like, I know that for a fact, like she told me, I've never, I've never really communicated because she just assumes that it's never going to actually get heard by him. And I think a lot of this comes from 
you know, learned helplessness that we developed in our childhood when we maybe did try to communicate our needs um, to our to our caregivers and, and they never really got heard. And it was like we were constantly having to betray our own needs to make sure our parents were happy or our caregivers. It could even be our teachers. And because we had that programming growing up, you know, we assume that that's how it's going to be with our partners as well. And I could see like the inner child, like kind of speaking to me, right? When this person, when the wife, you know, would tell me about this, it was so obvious to me that it was her inner child making all of these assumptions. And then um, she would um, proceed to say that, you know, we end up in these fights. And um, there was one time that the the fight actually happened in front of me. And there were actually it happened more than once and I could see like this pattern. So what would happen was she would the wife would, um, you know, watch TV with her husband like they do every day, every morning. Um, And she would sit down with him um, because she felt part of it was because she felt obligated to sit with him and she just didn't want to want to rock the boat. She wanted to make sure he was happy. And then. And then this I, this time or the days when they had like she had a doc, doctor's appointment say her doctor's appointment is like 11:30 and the husband's like watching tv in the morning and the wife sits with him till like 11:15 or 11 even 11:20 and then the husband tells her you know the husband like t- turns off the tv and then the wife then goes to the kitchen and she starts working on her dishes, on washing the dishes and um, doing the chores that she kind of put off doing because she was like, oh, I have to join my husband this morning to watch TV. And then she goes 11.15, she goes to the kitchen and she starts working on her chores, washing the dishes. She obviously loses track of time and the husband gets extremely worked up well, in the beginning, he doesn't. Um, he's like, he reminds her very gently, hey, like, we have to leave for an appointment at 1130. Um, you know, can you just start getting ready, please? And she doesn't say anything. She just just does her, you know, she continues washing the dishes because in her mind, she's thinking, I can't believe that you're asking me to just, you know, be put away my t- chores or dishes when you made me watch TV with you all morning and now I don't have time to do the dishes and now you expect me to like go get ready when I have like all these other things I put off doing because of you. So she's having all of these thoughts running in her head and he he's feeling extremely unheard because he's like, I'm trying to talk to her. I'm trying to remind her gently about our appointment, but she is ignoring me and he feels unheard, Right. And she feels, she also feels unseen in a way because in her head, she feels like, I can't believe he expects me to like drop everything and go get ready. And then she proceeds to like continue washing her dishes for like 10 minutes. It's like 11.25. At this point, he's getting really restless, right? Remember how I told you he's like super, um, you know, picky about time and obviously he cares for his wife also in this situation it's her appointment and you know he cares for his wife he wants to make sure she makes the appointment so they don't they don't have to reschedule and 
And it's happened, like, there's been times in the past when they did have to reschedule because they ended up um, being late to the appointment, and he didn't want that to happen. And it was coming from a place of care and love, but now he's getting worked up. He's feeling unheard. His wife is not responding. You know, she's just going on about, like, doing her chores. And he then starts, like, reminding her again. He's like, hey, like, can you just go go upstairs and get ready? Like, we're getting, we're running really, really late. And then, you know, and then she starts getting, she starts sulking. She's like, I can't believe he's pressuring me right now. Um, I need to get this done. And then she goes upstairs, you know, and starts getting ready. And at this point, it's past 1130. And he's like feeling really defeated. And he starts obviously raising his voice. He's like, I can't believe you're not ready. I told you all morning long, you know, your appointment is at 1130. You know, I can't believe you're not ready yet. And you know how like we missed the appointment this last time. And then she, she obviously gets worked up now because she feels attacked. So a lot of us sensitives, like we feel really attacked when someone raises their voice at us because it lands really strongly to us. And, and so she feels attacked and then she, and she feels criticized too. And we're sensitive to criticism too, right? Because when we were kids, you know, um, parents or caregivers were critical to us and it hurt us really deeply. And, you know, and we tend to want to like defend ourselves uh, to protect ourselves from impending punishment or whatever it is that ins- pr- that has traditionally ensued in our childhood after we got criticized. So as a defense mechanism, she starts raising her voice as well. And she's like, you know, you, and then she, she, it blurts out, like she blurts it out. She's like, you made me watch like TV with you this morning. You know, I was watching TV with you. Like you should have turned it off earlier. Like, and now you are blaming me for not being on time. You know, I do all of this to like make sure, you know, where, you know, make sure you're happy. Actually, she did, she doesn't say that part though. She just says that I can't believe like, you know, you made me watch TV with you. And then she goes, and then he goes, and he feels criticized, right? Like for him on the receiving end, the core wound that gets triggered for him is like, I'm defective. Like for the avoidant leaning, they have this very strong core wound of I'm defective. And so they tend to be sensitive to criticism as well. And they um, they don't feel appreciated in the relationship, right? When they get blamed like that, because he's he's going, well, I'm doing all this for my wife. I'm doing this for her. I'm taking her to the doctors and this is for her good. And I can't believe that she's attacking me now, right? Um, and so he feels attacked as well. And then he goes, I didn't make you sit and watch TV with me. Like, how is that related? Why do you always blame me for things, right? Like, why do you always pull me into things? I did not make you. Like, how is, how, why are you even bringing that up? And then in her mind, she's thinking, because of her codependent point of view, she feels obviously that it is her responsibility to watch TV with him, although it was not explicitly stated by him at all. Like, he never actually said that like hey you have to watch tv with me or you'll be upset you know this is like this is like an important need i have that you have to right like he didn't like set he didn't like actually say that but she assumed it because of her codependent belief patterns and um that she acquired you know probably in childhood and 
because she was operating from that belief, you know, she, she, she doesn't, it doesn't really land with her when he says that I didn't make you sit and watch TV with, with me, right? She's going, well, like, obviously you get upset, you know, in her head, she's going, you get upset when I don't watch TV with you. And I'm doing everything you can to make you happy. And now you're yelling at me. And, and so, you know, and then she says something to attack back or, you know, she criticizes him back and he feels extremely criticized. He shuts down, he huffs and like walks to the car and just sits there sulking, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so unappreciated in this relationship. You know, I'm, you know, his core wounds of I'm defective, get triggered. Um, and he feels like totally defeated, right? And then the wife feels, you know, obviously criticized, unloved for the anxious leaning individual. The core wound that gets triggered for them a lot is like, I'm unloved. This person doesn't love me. You know, they're, they're speaking. They're so rude to me. I'm unloved. Or, and maybe also like, um, you know, I don't matter. My needs don't matter to you. So she's looking at a situation from her core wounds, right? She's making assumptions or her subconscious mind, all of this is happening, like a lot of this is happening on the subconscious level. And she, her subconscious mind has convinced her now that he's, her husband doesn't love her, her husband is critical of her and all these things. And his subconscious mind is making the assumption that she is, you know, she is critical as well, that she doesn't appreciate him in the relationship. I've seen, I've observed, I've observed the years that for men, it is very important to feel appreciated in the relationship. Um, and that's tend to, that tends to be like, as a general rule, uh, an important need for the man um, in the relationship. I don't want to like be stereotypical here. I'm just saying like, as a general rule, what I've observed, I mean, it, 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 could, get, it could go both ways. Um, and for, for anxious leaning individuals, for women, it's, it tends to be, they, they really need to be seen and heard and understood and validated, like their emotions to be validated. Cause when she went like, you know, I was doing all this for her, for you, she felt like it wasn't even received by him. Right. And then, and then she joins him in the car and they're obviously late by like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And the whole ride to the hospital, to the doctors is like, just like this extremely high stress, um, you know, high stress situation. Both are like mad at each other. Both feel unseen, unheard, unloved by the part, by the other person. And then, you know, worst case, they miss the appointment and the husband feels totally defeated at this point, And he blames, and he quote unquote blames her, right? She, he, he says to her, Hey, like, you know, this was because you didn't get ready on time. And then she feels blamed. And then the negative cycle continues. And I know this, all of this sounds really complicated, but I, the reason I'm sharing this is because I feel like a lot of us would be able to relate. Um, and it, it was very interesting for me to watch this dynamic like live happen in front of me because I had, I was seeing this pattern over and over. Like I had I had like kind of encountered the same situation every time the wife would have an appointment. I could almost like, like clockwork. I could literally tell you what the husband's going to say now, what the wife's going to say. 
it happened like week well she didn't have an appointment every week but every time like like maybe once a month or once in two months the same steps would follow the same kind of arguments would take place like almost word to like word by word like verbatim like they'd be saying the same things to each other and I'm going wow like because of I think because I've done so much work and you know learning about attachment cells it's like so clear to me how the one person is interpreting the other person's reactions personalizing it and reacting back right personalizing it and so attacking back <coughs> excuse me and and there's like a f- negative feedback loop that's going on and I'm going I can't believe you know this couple isn't like proactively talking about this you know I can't believe they don't see this pattern and you know if I were obviously in their shoes I'd be like okay I have an appointment coming up next month or we have an appointment coming up next month let us let's sit together you know see what's going on for each of us you know if I were you know um you know if I were um coaching them this is what I would say I'd be like you know let's see what are the patterns that are coming up for us like what can we do to set set us up for success you know let's sit down and do some conflict resolution here and I figure you know from kind of observing this pattern over and over that like this these skills don't get taught to us growing up right like these skills hardly get modeled to us we're just taught to either avoid situations repress our emotions shove them under the rug and obviously, when you shove things under the rug, it piles up over time. You know, it's the breeding grounds for resentment. You know, you start resenting your partner. You start building negative associations to your partner. And you start losing, like, losing feelings. You start, like, feeling uncomfortable or unsafe around them. It does build up over time. You either repress your emotions or you start, you know, the anxious-leaning individual usually would vent to either her children or, you know, like, or friends, she'd call them and she'd be like, can't believe my husband did this. You know, he, I said this from her perspective, she'd be like, oh, I can't believe, you know, he was so rude to me this morning. And obviously her friend or her daughter or her, 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 her children who, you know, hear her side of the story are going to think, oh my gosh, you know, our dad's so rude to you. Like, I can't believe, you know, he's been rude to you and he doesn't treat you right. And and a lot of times, like in families, you know, like there could be like kind of, um, I am trying to use the best word to describe this, but it's almost like, you know, obviously the wife is not intending to pit um, the daughter against her husband, but, or the kids or, you know, the kids or the children against her husband. But then I think it does end up happening that way because the children start like, looking at the dad through the eyes of their mom and they feel like, you know, they get parentified, right? Growing up when the anxious leaning individual or the or the mom who's codependent keeps venting to them and she kind of is seeking to get heard and understood by her kids, right? Because she can't get that from her husband. She vents to her kids and and the kids get parentified. They're in this one way emotional connection um street with their with their parent or with their mom and and it just isn't a healthy dynamic for them to be in as kids because you know kids aren't meant to be a therapist kids aren't meant to be you know kind of your your sounding board for your marital problems 
in my opinion, regardless of their age, you know, it's, and it's kind of enabling um, for the parent uh, when the, you know, when they have this kid to, who's their sounding board, because that way the parent doesn't actually problem solve for the situation at hand, right? They don't go about seeking healthy strategies to resolve the situation. In this case, for the anxious leaning individual, it would be to practice communicating her needs and also, you know, asking the partner, like, hey, like, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe you're upset um, when I don't watch TV for you, with you for so long. Like, is, is it is it true? Like, do you feel like disappointed by me? And even if he does say yes, you know, the anxious leaning individual could say, hey, like, I see that, you know, you get upset sometimes um, when, you know, maybe I'm not able to join you for certain things. Um, and I see that and I care for you. And I want to be there for you, you know, whenever I can. But when I kind of watch TV for too long, like say past a half hour, it's really not something that really feeds my bucket, you know, and I like to take time away for a little bit. I'm not really much of a TV watcher. So, you know, I can join you, um, you know, for certain time periods, but other times I would really like to do things you know, by myself, and and this person was actually a highly sensitive person, uh, this wife I'm talking, um, I'm telling you about, and so she likes to, you know, be by herself a lot of times, um, and so it's very important for HSPs to have, carve out that time to be by themselves, right, and it's also important for us to communicate that to our partner so they don't personalize it, so she could say something like, hey, like, you know, um, like I've shared with you, hopefully, you know, we have shared this with our partners ahead of time that, you know, we're highly sensitive. So she could say, you know, I, I'm highly sensitive um, and I my senses get stimulated really easily. So I like to take some time to myself, you know, over the course of the day, a few minutes, just so I could recuperate. And it's it's not about me not wanting to be with you. It's just that I just need that time to recharge so I feel I can be more present with you, right? Uh, when I do get recharged. So ideally, this kind of open communication should happen um, between partners, between you know loved ones. And that's what sets the stage for healthy conflict revolu- resolution. And in this case specifically, um, you know, Obviously, both sides have to feel seen and understood by the partner. So the husband could say something to the effect of he he wanted to problem solve. Say they come back home after the doctor's appointment. You know, they say they missed it, right? You know, maybe take a few hours to cool off and then have this conversation where, you know, he could go, hey, um, you know, I'm noticing that we're having this pattern and I really want us for us to be able to work through this, you know, for us to grow in our relationship and I care about you, right? I care about you, which is why I'm bringing this up. So what, what is it, why is it that you feel that you have to, you know, join me for every activity that I do? Like, do you, do you feel like I kind of set that expectation for you? So that opens a line for her to say, hey, like, I feel that you're, you get upset when I don't join you in the morning. And then he could go, Oh, actually, that's not the case, especially when, you know, we have an appointment to make. It's completely okay for you next time to go upstairs and start getting ready. 
and I've noticed that you need extra help, like making sure you lose don't lose track of time, and I can support you in that. I can let you know, like if say if we have an appointment at eleven thirty, I can give you a heads up at ten thirty, you know, one hour ahead of time, and be like, hey, like maybe you should go start getting ready at ten thirty. Would that work for you? And the wife could say, oh yeah, that would be great. You know, she doesn't feel blamed at this point. So you see how the con the communication script that I am, um, sam like I'm giving you samples of is like. It's coming from a very vulnerable place, um, and not just that. It's coming from a place of I. Hey, I'm noticing that this is happening. Instead of you did this, you were late today all over again. I can't believe you do the same thing over and over. You see the difference. So you're going. I'm noticing, and I think I also think it's important before this con- conflict resolution talk happens that we sit with ourselves. And we depersonalize a lot of things that happened um, earlier that day. So that, for instance, a husband could, you know, if he were just um, processing this on his own, idly he would write down, okay, my wife was was rude to me to this morning and she was critical. What did I make that mean? I made that mean, I made that, mean that my, my wife doesn't appreciate me, that she doesn't see me um, for the efforts I make in the relationship. Then he could go, can I 100% know that this is where it's coming from? And then he could go, well, not really because I know that my wife has a certain attachment style. So that's why I think the knowledge of attachment styles is so important because that helps us recognize that the, the way the other person is dealing with the situation is a product of their unique programming and it's not a it's not like in any way an indication of how they feel about you right so the husband could go oh i know that my wife is anxious leaning so she her way of communicating is through criticism it's because she's feeling unheard so he can process the whole you know whatever he's feeling by depersonalizing his wife's behavior and then he can and then the next step in the emotional i i usually work um do this work with my clients i work i do like a rundown of the emotional processing tools. I'm doing a quick kind of overview of the steps. So the first thing would be you're writing down what is my interpretation of how my wife spoke to me today or what happened this morning. And you write down all the meaning that you're, all the meanings or thoughts around the situation. And then you ask yourself, can I 100% know that this interpretation is in fact true? And then the next step is what could be something else that could be um, driving this, right? What are some other sponsoring intentions that could be driving my, my wife's behavior to, toward me this morning? And that's when you get to the point where you're like, oh, it's her programming. It's the way her, she learned to cope growing up, right? And that's when you, when you are able to kind of have more compassion to the other person, when you kind of see that this is a product of their programming, and then you are kind of able to soothe yourself. And then you're like, okay, what do I need to communicate to her to make sure that we resolve this? And when you do this processing work on your own, you're able to come to a more grounded space uh, where you're not like triggered. And so you're able to approach the partner um, from a more um, you know, balanced kind of perspective um, and you're able to like talk to them in a more harmonious way. 
So, so then, you know, obviously the wife would need to do that emotional processing work on her own as well, where she's like, okay, I am, you know, there's, you know, and I kind of, I think went over this a bit ago, um, you know, my, my husband was rude to me. Um, and what am I, what's, what meaning am I giving to the situation? I guess I'm making it mean that he doesn't love me. I'm unloved by him. Um, he doesn't see me. Can I 100% know that this is true, that he doesn't love me? What could be some other, what could be an alternative explanation to this? Well, I know that my husband um, is picky about time. So maybe he got, you know, really stressed about time and he 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 cares for me, which is why he want, wanted to take me to the doctors on time. But maybe, you know, he felt... Um, like he was at the time helpless. And so the only way he could communicate to me is, you know, by getting really loud. So that way you're kind of brainstorming what could be the sponsoring intention for your partner to behave the same, the way that they did. And that way you're like processing the entire situation. And then in addition to that, you could also write down what are pieces of proof for like why, I think my husband actually does love me. So you're kind of getting to fair and balanced thinking by giving yourself proof of the opposite. And so she could write down the fact that he, you know, he reminded me of my appointment, that he keeps track of all my appointments, you know, um, and he takes me to the doctors on time and he cares about, you know, my health. He keeps track of my medical records for me, which I know that the husband does, um, He's very meticulous in that way. So she could give herself proof of that um, and she could write down those things. And that way she's able to get back to center in her thinking, not just in her thinking, but also in a somatic level, she is able to feel more relaxed in her body. And then, you know, they talk to each other, idly have that conflict resolution conversation and then they shared vulnerably with the other person. Hey, when you you spoke to me that way, I felt a certain way. I felt kind of unloved, and you know, I know you didn't mean mean to be unloving. But what was spon- You could also ask the other person. Hey, what could what was sponsoring, you know, that behavior? I just I'm just trying to understand. And then the husbands could say, I felt helpless. I felt unheard, which is why I felt like I had to raise my voice at you. And then the partner could also say, hey, I see that at the same time. Um, I want you to know that I'm sensitive to that. Like, could you please make sure that next time around that you um, be more proactive in communicating with me so we don't have to raise our voices to get heard by each other. So the other person says, oh, I apologize. Yes, let's make an effort next time to, you know, to talk about issues proactively and in this case particularly the strategy is so they have to also address the exact strategy for situations similar to the one that they just ran into this morning right so that would be hey so for this situation what we've agreed on is say we have a we have a we have an appointment at 11 30 I is it okay for me to remind you at 10 30 and she goes yes and then he goes and do you understand that you know, it's, it's okay for you not to like watch TV with me. I, I don't feel like you have to feel obligated to watch TV with me. I, I won't be upset with you. And even if, you know, sometimes I'm upset in general, 
I don't want you to like personalize it, right? And then she goes, oh yeah, I understand. I understand that, you know, um, you're cool, you know, that everything is cool. Um, and then she's like, okay, and I'll make an effort, you know, whenever you do remind me to hear you and to acknowledge it and um, to make sure that, you know, I, I get all my chores done by that time. And then, you know, um, I make, I'll make sure that I acknowledge you. And he goes, that would be incredibly helpful. You know, I could use more appreciation in the relationship because that makes me feel um, close to you. That's how I feel safe in the relationship. So those are like, that's problem solving. That's healthy conflict communication. When you express to the other pers- person how how you interpret it, interpreted what happened, what was the interpretation, how you felt, and asking the other person what their sponsoring intention was, validating it for them, and also expressing your need in the situation. So I hope that example helped. And it's, uh, I think a lot of us can learn so much from this, um, especially as highly sensitives. Um, I would highly encourage you to be, get, to be really proactive when it comes to communication, communicating your needs to your partner and also not taking responsibility for the other person's feelings. When we do communicate our needs, I'm not guaranteeing, I'm not saying that 100% of the time your partner is going to receive them well, right? It might disappoint them, um, but I want you to realize that it's, it's okay for you to disappoint your partner. It's okay for them to feel disappointed, right? Um, it's not your responsibility. Yes, you do consider your partner's feelings in a healthy interdependent way. We consider each other's feelings. We make room, we make compromises, but we don't make sacrifices. We don't betray ourselves, betray our sense of self in order to make room for the other person, right? In this case, like I said, I I don't mean to say that wife would be like, I'm not going to watch TV with you at all. I'm just going to live my own life in this house. You do your own thing. I do my own thing. No. How about we kind of meet meet each other halfway? Let's come up with a strategy. You know, I can watch TV with you like an hour. That that is a healthy compromise for, for me, right? The wife could say that to her husband and things like that. So, you know, um, there are ways to like communicate through conflict effectively. And I want us to kind of open up the possibility in our minds to problem solve um, for conflict, because a lot of a lot of us are in learned helplessness mode most of the time. So if you would like to learn more about conflict resolution or if you have a specific situation that you need help with, I'll be more than happy to help you or coach you through it one-on-one. You know, um, information about that is on my website. You can look it all up. Um, There is um, information on, you know, ways to reach out to me down below. And also I um, will be starting a support group membership which will be a close-knit community of like-minded, sensitive people, like-minded individuals. Uh, we'll get to talk about these things on a more personal level. And I will also get to answer your questions, right? You could ask me questions. It would be over Zoom. It would be interactive. Um, it would be a safe space for you to be yourself. Maybe for some of us, it would be for the very first time for us to be able to unmask and be our authentic selves. And it would be like this 
this room, imagine it's a room where you could just be totally yourself. Everyone's going to be accepting of you. You can share your deepest thoughts, deepest you know, secrets uh, with the community, with me. And I'm going to hold space for that. And I know what it's like because I've been there. Um, and all of us can will be able are able to relate to each other, right? When we share our stories, when we are vulnerable, I find that we're able to see ourselves in the other person. And that makes us feel less alone. That makes us feel so much more like we belong in this world. Because growing up, for a lot of us sensitives, we felt so disconnected. We felt like we didn't belong in this world. Um, and we all always, I think, yearn deep down for that kind of connection with fellow sensitive souls, um, fellow, you know, deep thinkers. So I would invite you to, um, you know, look up that information. There'll be infor- there'll, there will be information about that in the description below. You know, um, you could get on the wait list for that to make sure you reserve a spot. Um, or by the time maybe when you're listening to this, I would have already opened up uh, the signups for that. So make sure you just check out the links um, so you are up to date on the information on that. I would love to connect with you. I would love to interact with you. I would love to see you see your faces. You could have your camera on or off. And, and I want to give you like a pat on the back, a big hug for working on yourself and and actually, you're you're one of the few ones, if you're listening to this, you're one of the few ones who's actually doing the work, right? And I want to give you so much credit for that. I want to acknowledge the work you're doing. I want to acknowledge the inner work you're doing. You're, you're actually getting into the problem-solving mode of things. And that's not easy. It's, it takes facing your ego, right? It takes facing like parts of yourself that you don't want to see. And I want to acknowledge that step of bravery and I see you and I understand you um, and um, if you would like to listen to further recordings and further podcasts from me make sure you subscribe to this so you don't miss out on future episodes and I can't wait to see you again take care have a great day bye-bye